Get the house you want with the payment you want at buywithconrad.com. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this at buywithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. The first step to buying a house is buywithconrad.com. Oh, you didn't know? One, two, three into the four. Rodeo Double G and Ryan Katz are at the door, ready to make an entrance. So back on up, because you know we about to rip this up. What up, dog? We are in the groove, on the move, and in the doghouse for the latest edition of Oh You Didn't Know. And I'll tell you what, man, this has been fun and exciting. It has. It has. Oh, you didn't know, Ryan. You never cease to amaze me. I always love the, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the creativity and the energy, man. I'm excited to get into this one because, you know, all the other ones we've talked about, I was uh, in active addiction. So this is one where I might have some clear memories of what actually happened. Uh, Very so cool. I'm, exci- I'm yeah. excited to get a into this. clarity on this. And before yeah. we do, like the feedback of these first couple of episodes has been really good, man. We're, it's we're, been, we're, finding yeah. our, we're finding our way. Yeah, it's, it's been p- very positive, and I, and I appreciate that from all you guys. I appreciate uh, the, the work that the team does and that you do, Ryan, and, and uh, just making me look good. So thank you guys very much. Uh, I, I got to making... bring up some of the oh, – sorry, I'm going to cut you off, but I got to bring up some of the negative criticism I got <laughs> about my spastic hands and energy, and that oh. came from my mother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Usually like... the ones that love us the most hurt us the most. That's <laughs> sad. You're a little spastic. <laughs> hands McGann's. We used to call people because you talk with your hands a lot. That's all right. That's all right. That's not bad. We can work on that. Yeah. Well, you and me both. Uh, Yeah. We'll we'll see if we can uh, still eat in six months. How about that? Well, let's get into it, man, because today we're talking about the return to television of the New Age Outlaws in 2013. At Mm. this point, you'd been back with the company for about two years or so as a producer. Were you just a producer at that time or were you dabbling in the creative realm as well? Yeah, I was also uh, going to Stanford every week and and writing on the creative writing team or or not writing. Look, uh, when I say I was on the writing team, I had a team of writers. Uh, I was not one of them. Uh, If if you wanted me to type out the script, we'd still be doing the first one I ever I ever wrote. But, uh, you know, I did have a great team around me. And so 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 I could kind of. back off a little bit when I was uh, doing this, you know what I mean? So I was, I was actually wearing three different hats at the time. I was a producer, I was on the writing team and I was now uh, about to start working on TV. So uh, my uh, dance card was full every, every single day. Billy gets rehired by the company in late 2012 to work at NXT and developmental. Were you and Billy in close communication at that time as he was coming back in? Yeah. Yeah. Billy and I look, Billy and I, uh, and I've said this in an earlier episode, but we grew up together. You know what I mean? Literally. Um, so we are always have been, and will always be, uh, in close communication. We're, we're really, really, really good friends now. It's almost, uh, to, to the brotherhood thing, you know what I mean? And so, so yeah, we, we had stated communication when, when he came back, you know, he was working for the company, um, I'll let you ask the next question before I before I uh, before <laughs> did, I dive into something. Did you have any sort of influence or decision making influence in helping bring him back into that role as a coach? 
No, no, none at all. Um, and look, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I don't think I ever rose to the ranks of where I could hire or fire a person. Mm -hmm. I did sit in on interviews where we hired people, um, but I didn't have the, you know, I gave my thumbs up, but I never said, yes, hire him. Um, I've sat in on meetings where people were let go. Um, and, but I never had the power to do that. So, so, so really, even as I went up the ranks a little bit, uh, in the company, in the inner circle, I still never had that kind of, that kind of power. Um, and, but, but I knew he was coming back. We had spoke, you know, so you're in that role as producer. You're involved in the creative aspects of writing. When Billy comes back to the company, was there any talk in those departments of putting you two back on the road together? Or was it two separate deals that were going on, his deal, your deal, and you were living separate lives? Yeah, two, two totally separate lives and different departments within the company. You know what I mean? He was uh, he was a coach down in NXT and I was a producer on the on the main roster. And so while I would go uh, to some pay-per-views and run rehearsals or something uh, just to get to hang out with Billy and Hunter. And you know what I mean? We had a good time uh, kind of creating those entrances and stuff like that together. So we always had a blast doing that. But so I always I saw him, but there was it was never about putting us back together or working or together. You know what I mean? Like for me, that time had come and gone. Um, I never at this at this point, I couldn't imagine us coming back and wrestling on television anyway. So let's talk about that. If you couldn't imagine it, what happens when you're approached <laughs> about making that return? Well, um, you know, it was scary. It was scary for me because, look, everybody's young and hungry. And now I feel like I'm going to get in there and slow them down. And that's just my inferiority complex, uh, butting heads with my, you know, uh, ego uh, every time. But I figured I could do it if we could control it. And I knew I could control at least the execution of the matches uh, even. And I could somewhat control uh the creative as well um i remember one time like i was my back had gone out and 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 i said hey i can't work we were supposed to have a tag match or something i said i can't work so billy worked a single and i cut a promo or something but so that was kind of me getting to say hey i need the night off you know what i mean and so it was uh while i had that kind of uh influence i didn't have much more than that you know Let's talk the execution of entertainment and the New Age Outlaws return to television December 17th at the Slammy Awards. I mean, this is your wheelhouse, an entertainment extravaganza <sighs> featuring the voice, featuring the, 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 the boisterous uh, entertainment value that is the New Age Outlaws. How cool was it to reunite and be on stage together? Yeah, it was it was very cool. And I like you said, it had been over a decade. And so it was uh, we're taking a look at it here. I guess it was Christmas time. So me and Billy had gotten some uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you see we had gotten some camo pants and and uh, camo hats and stuff. And so we were we were just having a good time. But the Slammys are always a great time and you always get to watch great stuff back and go like, ooh, who's going to win that? You know what I mean? And uh, it just so happened the uh, category that we were announcing uh was comeback of the year. Yep. And uh, and it just so happened that Jerry Lawler had a heart attack on television and was back now. And so it was inevitable that Jerry Lawler was going to win comeback of the year because he literally died on television and then came back and came back to do his job again. Like if you if you don't put him over in that category, I think something's wrong with you. 
as we're looking at your facial expression right there, it was because I, I think you were expecting Billy to drop the patented line and he just kind of ignored it and went to the nominations. You looked yeah. pretty surprised right there. Not not yeah. the way you guys planned the bit. No, it was exactly how we planned the bit, but it's a, it's a, it's a wizard brother. <laughs> and, uh, but I did, that was the idea was he would say, suck it. Oh, but he has something else to say. Here's the category. Um, and he almost messed that up too. Bless his heart. This is the first time the New Age Outlaws have appeared on WWE at TV together as the Outlaws since No Way Out in 2000. 13 years apart is a long time. How did it? I mean, we, we, we just said it, but like hearing the crowd, getting to do the introduction, getting them riled up and behind you. This had to be an exciting moment to make that return. Yeah, it was very exciting. And look, it's always exciting to get to go out there with a live microphone. Um because what we did was on our entrance was so memorable. Uh, people today still remember it. You know what I mean? And it's 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 just a crazy energy that's kind of palpable. Um, and it really blows you up as far as your cardio goes. Well, you know, because I'm not in shape at all. I, I guess I'm round. That's a shape. But uh, but I just so you scream, you scream to the top of your lungs. And, oh, God. And then so but it's such a cool rush uh, to hear all those people saying it back with you. Now, uh, in this run, you know, like you said, it's been 13 years since we were seen on TV. This one, uh, the the people, it was pretty much downhill after suck it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like we were just some old guys trying to keep up. You know what I mean? You say that, but you looked like you had you, you were in great shape when doing the introductions. I mean, arms were looking trim. It didn't. You looked like you 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 were ready for that. And then just the energy level that you put behind that promo. I mean, we always talk about uh, at the performance center. We would talk about trying to have an emotional connection. Ray, to what Ryan, remember remember when we used to work at the performance center? <laughs> it seems that like was, so that was long cool. ago. That was cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, but, I'm sorry. Um, no, it's an emotional connection. I, I, I felt you had that emotional connection, and that's why even watching this nine, ten years after that happened, that there's still a moment, and as a fan, a connection that I can go tune in and be like, wow, that was something special, and, and you can recognize it just watching that clip and hearing the vocal quality and excitement and tone in your voice, your rhythm, your cadence, your energy, just just extraordinary. Yeah, I look, I don't uh, know, ha have any idea what you're talking about right now. It's all foreign to me, but I know when I get out there, I give it all I got, and I feel like I can, uh, like if I exude that kind of energy, it kind of comes back to me from the people. It's infectious, I guess. But but like I said, on this run, uh, you know, we would do that and then the bell would ring and you would shut me down and like the people would go like. <laughs> like a, I swear, and Billy would just yell at him, if you'll clap, he'll tag me. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. So we, we had a really good time this uh, this run. And, and we'll get into what it was all about as we go on in the in the podcast. Yeah, sure. So the Slammys takes place. You get the reaction. You go through the curtain. Is there a vibe to, to Vince and those in Gorilla of, did you hear that? They're with us. Maybe there's something we can do right now. So, so I, look, I think it was look, everybody kind of was like, oh, crap, that was good. It was like old days, you know what I mean? But I think, and I, and I may have the the uh, order of this all out of whack, but I remember coming back after, I believe it was after the Raw uh, 
old school raw or whatever yep. it was where we get to that we, soon yep. yeah yeah we, we, we had a match after that match is when uh hunter came to me and i know that's coming up uh so i'll leave the, i'll let you answer the ask the question before i answer it so so let's get to you guys getting into this run what was the plan for bringing you onto the road and who made the pitch to actually put this into motion that road dog and billy gunn and the outlaws are coming back yeah, it was Hunter. I mean, uh, it might have been Hunter and Vince, but but it was definitely we came back. Hunter kind of uh, corralled us and said, hey, man, what do you think about, you know, d- doing this for a minute? Um, maybe we put the tag titles on you and then crown a new team, somebody we want to get behind. You know what I mean? And let them beat you. And uh, he said, just maybe six months or something, you know, three months, six months. We'll see what happens. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. That's uh, let me talk to Billy and we'll, we'll figure it out. And so it was, uh, it was almost like he, they saw something like, Oh, we could use them to help somebody else. And look, so it's not investing in the past because that's one thing, uh, Vince will tell you right to your face, like, I'm not investing in the past. And you're like, oh, that hurt. Uh, but he, but it, it's a business strategy, right? And it's a right, it's a correct business strategy. Um, while it's cool uh, to get on there and get a, a nostalgia pop, um, I don't know that they were as emotionally invested in us this time. That's what I, that's what I'm getting at. Um, not that we didn't come back and do what we did. And, and, and I think we did it successfully. Um, but it was just not the same because it was a nostalgia act and they love to say, Oh, you didn't know. And they love to say, suck it. Uh, but okay. Now get, you know, Roman reigns out here. <laughs> so, so let's talk about the conversation that you had with Billy about making this a reality. What were your real thoughts? Were, were there hesitations? Was there doubt or was it just excitement of, Hey, this could be one last run to go out and have a good time. Yeah. Well, so, so there's so many, uh, things to take take into consideration here you know what i mean with the with the live event so 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 uh michael hayes came he was the live event coordinator he came and said hey we're seeing us stepping off some stuff do will you guys uh go on and do it and so he he gave us we went on the road but we had some uh we didn't hit all the towns. We just hit some that he he felt he needed us at, and then some that we could make a good payday at. And so, so there was a lot of talk, and, and it wasn't contracts or anything like that. It was just like, hey, how are we going to do this, and what are we going to do? You know, are we not, we're not going to. Uh, Billy has a job. I got a job. Now we're going to do this for three or six months, and so how are we going to do this? So, so, so it was more about talking about okay, how do we execute this and continue to do what we're doing for the company? You know. So let's let's get serious right here with this question. You brought up earlier in the podcast that you were sober in this run as opposed to many of your other runs in the past. You've also brought up and talked in an earlier episode that some of your drug use was was based on covering up nerves, anxiety, and, and all of those things. Being sober in this run, was there more fear and nerves, or were you so comfortable and confident in your new in your new you that that you just felt like this was something that you you had to do for growth. Yeah. So so it look there was still there's still nerves, there's still anxiety, there's still uh, walking out there, what am I going to say? What are we going to do? I forgot the spot we call, you know, all kind of crap uh, as you're walking down the uh the the ramp there and saying cutting my promo, but it's so much easier uh sober. Like I I can trust my instincts 
because my instincts are sharp. You know what I mean? They're, uh, and so listening to the people, hearing how they're, uh, what they're buying and what they're not buying. If you watch the first match on any show, you go like, okay, if you're a wrestler and you've been doing this a minute, you'll see, oh, we, we need to work hard uh, or we can place, you know, do some haha and, and have some Shakespeare and have a old Memphis match. You know what I mean? We don't have to really go at it. Um, so, so you gotta, you kind of gotta uh, watch that. And, and then and pick it out. So I wasn't so nervous, but also I want to talk about like since I've been sober and kind of looking inward and uh, and and looking introspectively and trying to you know find all my defects and change them. I had some coping skills that I that I literally talked myself through uh, to kind of ease that this time. Uh, my coping skills prior to this time were drugs and alcohol. You know what I mean? So this this time was it felt good. I felt good. I felt healthy. The I was smarter uh, because of sobriety and because of my age and wisdom and, you know what I mean, years in the business. And so, yeah, it was just a, a lot easier for me this time because I was smarter. I, I work smarter, not harder. For those listeners that, that, that can relate and maybe going through something similar, was that was there something you were able to use for those coping skills to help you get through harder times now that you had now that you weren't turning yeah, towards? Yeah, for, for 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 me, it was prayer. You know what I mean. And I, and uh, me and Billy prayed before every match, and it was just uh, uh, you know where I didn't feel alone, and I and I could go out there and kind of trust myself and do what I needed to do and know that everything, no matter what, everything's going to be okay. I could go out there and say the wrong words. I could go out there and mess up a spot. I can. Who cares? It's not. But it's not world peace. You know what I mean? It's, it's pro wrestling. And so it's just a different perspective that I have now um, when I had zero perspective in active addiction. So let's get into some of the specifics of some of the matches you got into. On December 26th in Detroit, Michigan, it was a live event. Rey Mysterio and Sin Cara were announced to be taking on the Rhodes Scholars of Cody Rhodes and Damian Sandow. But the New Age Outlaws ended up replacing Rey and Sin Cara. When were you told that you were going to go on the road uh, to, to fill in for this match? Oh, uh, we, we had plenty of warning. Uh, Sin Cara, I believe, was injured. Um, and I say that because I believe he was injured throughout his whole contract. So um, so, so uh, we, we knew in plenty of time. And uh, and so we were it was like a Christmas loop. And we knew uh, that Christmas loop usually does really well financially. A lot of a lot of people come out and see it. And so you always get a pretty, pretty good paycheck. Uh, so we knew we were going to have a good Christmas. You know what I mean? Why do you think they decided to match you guys up with Rhodes and Sandow? Well, I, I would imagine from a, from from where I am now, uh, I would imagine it was to be just to get us working and get us a win on a on a live event. They were breaking those guys up anyway, um, so I think it was just to get us some working wins out there in the public. You know what I mean? Uh, and and get us a rep. You guys get the victory in front of about 10,500 fans when Billy hits the famous sir on Cody. And it's been written that you guys got a great reaction when the music hit. What do you remember of that? So, look, I, I don't remember that one specifically. Uh, 
a lot of the times when we came out, we got really, really good reactions. And I'm thankful for that. I'm uh, blessed in that way. Me and Billy both are because, look, we were we were hot at a time when being hot meant, you know, meant something a little bit in the in the industry. Um that came out wrong. It being hot today, same thing, same thing as then. That came out totally wrong. But but we were, you know, during the attitude era, we were we were a big deal kind of. And 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 so now we come out and get that nostalgia pop. We we always got a good reaction when we came out. Um if we yeah. won or lost or whatever, that's a different story. You guys work the loop and then you get to wrestle at Madison Square Garden again the next night in front of 14,500 again against the Rhodes Scholars. It's the first time you've wrestled at MSG since December of 2000. And it's also <laughs> the last time you'll wrestle in MSG. Can you convey what Madison Square Garden means to you and the WWE? Yeah. Well, look, I definitely think it means more to the WWE than it does to me personally. It, it I'll say it was the Mecca. Um, I don't think it's the Mecca anymore. You know what I mean? And it was always a really hard building to get into and to park around. And to, like it was, <clears throat> excuse me, it, it was always it was never that great to me. <laughs> I'm going to be quite honest with you. I'm not a huge fan of New York City, uh, but I you, do. You like, brought it up. I'm going to interrupt you. So yeah, go what's, ahead. what's the Mecca now? What are, what are the stellar all-star arenas that are the, the place to be now? I don't know. I don't I don't know. I know that uh, Barclays Center in Brooklyn is a, is an awesome venue. Mm -hmm. uh, we ran there a bunch of times and I think it's a much better venue. It's cheaper to run television out of there. It's cheap. It's just, uh, I, you know, I, that's just me. I know a lot of people uh, will will think less of me because I'm saying this. But look, I it was a great building. It was, you know, had some great events there. I was on a bunch of them. I got carried out of one of them on a on a flatboard uh, straight to the emergency room because I thought I was paralyzed. Um, that's a different that's a podcast for we'll a different time. One. Yep. Um, yeah. But so so look, a lot of people will call it the Mecca and I got no problem with that. I just don't 100 percent agree with them. <laughs> you continue on the loop at the Nassau Coliseum and then in Raleigh, you still continue with wins over Rhodes Scholars. Do you think the WWE was undervaluing Cody and Damian Sandow at this time. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Look, I was uh, again a part of creative and a, and a producer and and wrestling at this time. I don't think Cody and I think Cody would be okay with me saying this, and I think he'd agree with me. He wasn't ready to be where he is today at that point. That's for dang sure. Damian Sandow, I felt like was a great wrestler and could do anything you ask him to do and and complete it successfully and, and execute it in a way where you go like, okay, great. That was great. Thank you. Um, I thought he was best. And I, and I don't mean anything by this negatively, but I thought he was best when he was Ms. Dow, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And, and so, uh, so I thought, I, I don't know, C Cody wasn't ready and neither was he. So I don't think they were undervaluing him. I just thought, look, they had a good little thing together. Then they split him up and, and, and Cody did his thing, which, I thought was good too, by the way. Um, but yeah, look, I loved working with those guys. They're both great workers. They were just young in this and we were the old vets, you know what I mean? So we were trying to have just good matches and we did, we had really good matches with them. Like, uh, yeah. You're yeah. having these great matches at the live events. Was there any talk of bringing it to television? 
No, there wasn't. <laughs> and and the reason being was they were breaking those guys up on television. So they didn't think about us having a, I think we did work with them. Uh, we ended up working with them one time, I thought, on TV, but that may have been a live event also. Uh, remember the chair shots and bong resin. Uh, got, me, got me a little cloudy. <laughs> All right. You guys come off the road and then you do a segment in NXT with a DX and click reunion type that included Kevin Nash. Damian Sandow interrupts it and it ends with Shawn Michaels hitting him with a super kick. Uh, next question is from a perspective I've seen a lot of fans write in their opinions. Do you think that WWE putting legends over the younger talent was something that hurt the younger talent? So, yes, I think the short answer is yes, but I think I don't think it's as as uh, cut and dry as that. I don't think it's as black and white as that. It's, it's, there's so many variables. And again, I will say this until the end of time. It is uh, subjective, not objective. We are the masters of our own destiny. We can do whatever we want to. It's pro wrestling. There are, there is no, it is not a science. It is not, uh, you will not come up with an answer at the end of a math equation and go, ha ha, good wrestling. Like it is whatever you want it to be. And so we can do whatever we want to do. And I got off on my high horse and I totally forgot what your question was. No, Ryan. You're on the same track and, and, and you answered it with, with, with honesty and clarity. So you guys are put back on the road when John Cena comes off. How did these conversations go? You mentioned Michael Hayes kind of wanted to put you on select cities at that point. How, how does this work out? Yeah, well, that's when John had something to do. And so they look at we weren't on those shows. Uh, Michael reached out to me, said, hey, I'm going to call Billy next. Will you guys do these? So so it was all a. Uh, uh, very kid gloves. We were we were handled with kid gloves on this run, and, and I appreciated that because I was wearing a, a lot of hats, and so was Billy. You know, Billy, we would we would fly for Raw or something, and Billy'd fly back down the next day and have to go straight to the PC to coach. So right. uh, we were we were we both had our hands full. That's for sure. He was active, and you can bet when he arrived from the airport, he was right back at the performance <laughs> center in that gym and hurling weights quickly. Uh, in Poplar Bluff, Springfield, and Cape Girardeau, the mm. Outlaws get wins over the Rhodes Scholars. As you mentioned, they had been broken up on TV. So at that point, if they've broken up on TV, why does the card not get rearranged on the live events? And why are you still wrestling them as a team? Does that get confusing for them as talent trying to create something and get themselves over? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it does. Uh on a personal level, like they want something to sink their teeth into. And now you broke them up and they were like, Oh, that's what we were going to do. And then you put them back together the next week on a, on a live event. But you know, the live events are made up a, a way in advance and they're booked way out in advance. So you want to try to change them as little as possible. And also I don't think, you know, using them one more time on a live event loop and 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 using us and, and getting over. It's not like the main event of the show. You know what I mean? So you didn't change, uh, you know, a title match or anything. It was just a underneath card entertaining match that that had some, you know, entertaining stuff in it. Um, and like I said, it was card subject to change. Sometimes that happens. But, yeah, I, I would imagine creatively it would get frustrating being done that way. But look, you get done that way once or twice. You don't get done that way all the time. I'll just keep pushing, poking, irritating, and building your frustration towards me as I ask these kinds of questions. <laughs> Does the lack of continuity with TV storylines hurt the live event business? 
So I don't look, I don't think it hurt the live event business. I think, uh, America, where it's at, uh, domestically speaking, and we're going to get to overseas, I would imagine, here in a little while. But uh, domestically speaking, like people don't go out as much, especially lately. You know what I mean? They stopped to get so there's a lot of event business is hard. Uh, but but t- to your question, I don't think it really bothers people that much. Um because I think a lot of people that show up in these towns don't watch, you know, six or seven hours of, of WWE wrestling every week. Right. They just know the circus is coming to town and I'm going to take my kids to see it. And and in some of these cities that we go to, they don't have, you know, circus don't happen no more. That ain't no, <laughs> the Wrigley Brothers is done. And so, we, so, so WWE, AEW, Ring of Honor, you know, New Japan, all, all these guys that travel and, and, and do live events, like they're out there, uh, trying to create, trying to create a business, but it's, it's hard. Like I said, no, nobody, you know, you talk about 10,000 people in the arena like that. I don't know if that still happens. I hadn't been out there in a while. So, so it was just a different time, you know, talking about it being hard is the perfect segue and transition to our sponsor of this episode. And we're going to talk about them in a sec. We'll be back to talk about old school raw But let's talk about that hard activity that takes place in the boudoir, the bedroom. Oh, snap. Hey, guys. Confidence can take you far in life, and it can also help in the bedroom, especially when it comes to stepping up to the plate. And that's where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same, uh, excuse me, the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. I mean, I think I got a little blood flow and heat going on. I think you got one stuck in your neck. You're going to have a stiff neck for a week. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever the opportunity arises. <laughs> Arises. The process is simple. Sign up at bluechew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. And you the know best what part? I love about it. What do you love, no dog? Doctor visits, no long lines at the pharmacy, and no awkward conversations. Just a discreet package sent to your door, but nothing will be discreet about your package. It's time to get off the couch and back to work. If your tool needs an upgrade, head to bluechew.com. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, Blue Chew can help. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code DOG at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com promo code DOG to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. That one went so well because of Bluetooth that we went two rounds of music right there. We went two rounds. Yes. That's like uh, Brian Christopher, God rest his soul in USWA. This music would always hit and it would play all the way through and it would start over again. And you're like, where in the crap is he? And then he'd come out. He didn't care. (laughs) 
All right, we're back at it, and we're going to talk about the show you mentioned earlier, and that's Old School Raw, and it takes place from Buffalo, New York, March 4th, 2013. Dog, how big of a deal is this to you, A, to be back on Raw as a tag team with Billy, B, to be on Old School Raw where we're bringing back the nostalgia and the memories, and C, getting a win over Primo and Epico? Yeah, it was all really cool. Um, this was, in my mind, this is when Hunter came to me and said, hey, let's do this. I don't know if if uh, if that had already happened or not, but this was, when I watched this match, it, it brought back a memory of like, this is when he said, hey, let's put the titles on you and see what happens here. You know what I mean? So let's put the match on in the background as we're okay, talking yeah. about this one. So, so that's got to be a cool moment. Do you, do, uh, how, how old are you about at this time? I don't know. So it's 13. So it's um, probably 40, 45. So to be in your mid 40s and be approached by the boss is saying, <laughs> hey, we got the confidence that we want to put the championships behind you and then utilize you guys to help build another team and bring the youth up. It, it's got to feel pretty cool, especially having had some of the circumstances you had before that in the past. Yeah, for sure. It was a very cool thing, especially uh, with who they wanted to uh, for us to give the titles to when we when it's time. You know what I mean? And uh, very personal to me. Eight five zero Pensacola boys, the Usos, uh, and I used to fly every week with their daddy. And you know, it was just it would just meant a lot to me to do that. What we're watching now, uh, if you're not on YouTube, is that match you talked about on Old School Raw, and I'm doing my. Uh, my uh, entrance here, and I said, uh, we, uh, we wear your granddad's clothes. Right. We look incredible. And see, that was just me listening to a song on the way there, and I go, hey, is this song popular? <laughs> <laughs> Throwing, I think, this little Macklemore at the, at, yeah, at the yeah. time. And it was that song was out and hot right then, you know. Store. Uh, and we're yeah, looking at the ring and, and this is what the fans love it's the red white and blue old school ropes it's the old school wwf themed uh logo on the turnbuckle pads and then the old school raw letters <laughs> on the entrance uh for someone like you who i feel like is a down-to-business guy go in the ring wrestle do what you're supposed to do and then going back do the things like the entrance ways and the sets bring you any sort of excitement or motivation when you go in to show or that's just background and what you do takes place inside the four posts yeah to be quite honest it's just background to me and i kind of have to put it that way like if i want to use a certain thing uh for a certain camera shot or something then i i will you know talk to the cameraman or the floor cameraman or something prior to that go hey i'm going to come up on here and do that but yeah not not too much uh it was all about me and that microphone and you you know what i mean you the viewer you the the uh, live event attendee it was about me connecting with you and you getting that rush that is a, a palpable energy when that's going on. And uh, and right here, I'm not sure which one it is. Uh, Epico, I think. That is Epico, I believe. Yeah, I had me in a rear chin lock. And I give him the old, I'll give you, uh, <laughs> oh, this is the old drop down turnaround. It's a drop down turnaround. He spins around. We double knockout. <laughs> and there we got a little double down. Good. Yeah, it actually it actually looked good. Billy hates that spot because it's the one I do every time. Rosa uh, Mendez hyped up on the outside. Yeah. Billy hyped up on the outside trying to get that hot tag. Oh, and the hot tag he did get. 
Um, and Billy can do it too for people that can feed and bump like these two can because these two guys are great. Now, if you want to talk about uh, somebody that got underused, um, it's these two guys in the ring right here, man. They could do it all. And they were there for everything and could bump for everything. That's, uh, I remember Michael Clark Duncan said that's the best punch in the business. So uh, let's talk about uh, Billy's, Billy's finish coming up here. Here comes the setup, goes for the clothesline, boot to the midsection, and boom! I'll make you famous. Hooks the leg. I love how he scoops it in tight. Yeah, yeah. He was down there teaching them kids how to wrestle. He had to do it right. So what do you think? Did that add extra pressure on him that that he's got a a group of students, that he's got to do the right thing, not just go wrestle a show, but be a good example for those that he's teaching? Oh, yeah. And uh, I'm looking at the video myself and like uh, I'm sure he's not happy with how he looked in this picture because he is so etched in stone now that he looked uh, he looked off season uh, (laughs) in this video here. So it seemed like originally this was supposed to potentially be a a, a one show uh, appearance. And then they kind of changed a promo, a backstage angle to turn this into a multi-show return. Do do you remember how that came about? And and was it once again something you were excited about or something like, "Uh, I'll do the work, but. Yeah, Yeah, look, to be quite honest, I was very excited about it. on in a few minutes as we as we continue down down the road i'm gonna get to where i can't handle it anymore and and we'll we'll cover that when we get there but but uh right now this was new and exciting and so it was like holy crap i can i can be a star again i can you're gonna put the title on me you know what i mean all the the ego things come in and the things that aren't that are superficial that aren't real and you go like oh that's cool but but this time again this time i had some coping skills to kind of manage all of that and process all of that uh and try to keep my keep my head on straight because i was now i was working hard and on the road uh you know and i spend my days working hard on the go uh with the hands on the clock keep spinning too slow what was your question again <laughs> it was what was the plan, but let's move forward yeah, one more there was, week. There was no plan. Um, they literally said, "Hey, we want to do," and they did change a backstage so that we would be on again the next week. I think it was March eleventh, two thousand thirteen. Raw takes place from Indianapolis, Indiana. We've got this match. We could throw it on again. Team Road Scholars. Uh, and this uh, becomes a little different. Road Dog and Gun come out and do their thing. Road Dog, you get a chance to make a tribute to Percy mm-hmm. Pringle, the Paul Bearer in this match, soon after his passing. Uh, what, 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 what did it mean for you to be able to throw that kind of shout out in your introduction for him? It was very important to me. I mean, that's why I put it in there. You know what I mean? Like, it, I did, nobody lets... Nobody lets me go out there and say these things. I, I, I knew my job. I knew my role. I knew we were PG. I knew, you know what I mean? I'm no longer on drugs. I'm a responsible adult. I'm going to do the right thing, but, but I'm going to get in this line about Percy Um, because he was, you know, early TNA days for me. He rode uh, six hours with me and my brother, Scott and my dad, uh, to Nashville every week for, he lived in Mobile. I live in Pensacola. He would meet us and we would drive every week. So got to know, you know, look, look, we, I knew him anyway, uh, but, but got to know him really well. And so it meant a lot to me. What I love about this video is Cody Rhodes's mustache. It's phenomenal. Do you remember that mustache period? He went through a period of, of mustache. I have a funny Cape Girardeau story when we get to there. 
Well, let's just talk about it now. Let's let's go to Cape Girardeau then. Tell me about ah. it because that mustache is phenomenal. And actually, at this point in time, I actually was rocking a handlebar mustache in my pre-WWE <laughs> months right here. Uh, and it's just before I ended up shaving it. So I was a fan of the mustachio. Yeah, I was too. I think it looked great. Uh, but the, 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 so he just, he just hit me with the, uh, I forget what he used to call disaster it. Disaster kick. Disaster, but I called it the Jody Arias kick. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, but I would say, okay, bing, bang, boom, Jody Arias. <laughs> I, as you're laughing about that, there's no laughing matter as Brock no, Lesnar no. comes down to the ring and we see yeah. the look of fear on Billy Gunn. Look at me. Look at me. You're I, selling. Like, you're on the no. ground dead. <laughs> That's you're like, I, if I don't get up, he doesn't have to do anything to I, me. If I, and so so I, there's some more questions coming that I am prepared for. Like when I saw those right there, I thought, oh, God, can I just roll to the floor? <laughs> Billy's got some uh, hard abdominal muscles to absorb those big knees. Yeah, uh, I, I, don't. I don't. So here's how, here's how I can here's how I controlled myself. If you can watch the video, I got to his leg and I literally fell down, and I'm holding his leg so that all I knew he had to do was scoop me up. And uh, and then this was a running joke for a long time after this. Boom! You'll see I hit my nose and my private part on the ring really hard on both of them and if you're wondering my nose did hit first uh but like it hurt so bad uh, the bump was fine but like my nose and my privates hurt so bad and so thin it was like a running rib where vince would make fun of me after that like i oh. Maybe you brock at F5 you again. <laughs> so, so, Doug, what are you, about 6'4", 250 or so? Yeah, here, here. Now I'm 6'4", <laughs> 300. And, and he just tosses you like oh, like nothing. nothing. Like, like it's nothing. And and look, I'm going to tell you, I've been in the hands of some men before, and that does, did not come out wrong. That's exactly how I meant it. I've been in the hands of some men. Ron Simmons. All man, uh, Vader, all man, um, Terry Funk, different kind of all man. Uh, but but Brock Lesnar picked me up like it was nothing and controlled me. They took care of me, took me down flat. I mean, I didn't bump weird. Yeah, that's I what bumped. I was going to ask you. You yeah, talked about everything. trust earlier. Did, yeah. did he take care of you? So so he. Look, he didn't kill me. He didn't hurt me. He didn't. He didn't throw me extra. He didn't. You know what I mean? He just did it how he normally does it. But 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 so I, because I was in the writing, uh, on the writing team, and uh, and it's good to be it's good to be friends with the king. I said, uh, hey, why don't you hit me with the Jody Arias kick? That way, I'll just sell until Brock gets there, and you and Billy go at it. Then I'll just kind of come up into your five. <laughs> so I thought that way, I don't have to get beat up by him. I just take his finish. Uh, but yeah, that was an interesting story. I mean, this was kind of the the end of the TV run after taking the beating from from Brock. Was that the plan? You kind of talked about it. It was a few months to get going, and in well, and then it sets up later for the next run where you're going to come back and get those championships. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't remember what your question was, but let's just talk about uh, fabrics. No, go ahead. Well, well, as I was saying, the TV run was done and the fun continued. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Matt, I looked at that was Hunter was and I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I cut. I, I don't remember where we're at. Then I cut you off when you try to tell me. 
I got to get the real sound effect. I forgot to do that this week. Next uh, yeah, week, well, it will yeah. be a part you, of it. You swear. I swear. <laughs> I swear. I solemnly swear. Oh, Lord. I totally now forgot what we were talking about. We're going to end up coming back to regain ourselves. And when we do come back, we're going to talk about the SmackDown European tour. Mm. Before we do, let's take a quick break and then get into the demand for our big international tour. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. If you could change one thing about your home, what would it be? A new kitchen, a new master bath, maybe put in a pool. What if you could do it with no money out of pocket and cheaper monthly payments? Savewithconrad.com can help, and you can even skip your next two house payments. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender, savewithconrad.com. All right, we're back. And as I said, that TV runs come to an end, but it's time to head out on that SmackDown European tour. It's 11 days and you get 10 matches. That, that, <laughs> that's a big ask. Were you in shape for, for that? Yeah. Yeah, I was because we were in six mans. And so now I only had to do 33 and a third percent of the work. Um, I'm let me text Scott Steiner and see if that math is correct. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, so I only had to do uh, one third of the work, you know, and so I was in that much shape. I was in that good a shape. Um, and the we worked with the shield um, every night. And so it was. I think we worked with them every night anyway. Uh, it, it was it was so easy and we got the match down and we kept it that way for the whole loop uh, because, we, well, we changed a few things, but only to make it better. Uh, but we we kind of knew going in. Uh, and when we start talking about the specific matches, I got I got some stories for that, too. But, yeah, we had a we had a really good time going over there and we worked with some really good people. Um, so it was cool. How far in advance did you find out you were going on this tour and to prepare yourself? Yeah, we knew. We knew uh, probably a month ahead of time that, hey, we're going to send you guys on this tour. And and look, it's genius for them uh, because you can not only use me as a producer on the show, you can also have me have a tag match. You know what I mean? And and uh, and some of the towns we were the main event and some of the towns we were, you know, semi-main or whatever. But But it was really cool to get to work with those guys. Do you like the international tours? Yeah, they're they're the greatest international fans. Look, domestic fans are great. Fans are great, period. But international fans, uh, they're not spoiled to it. You know what I mean? It doesn't come around often. And when it does, they show up, man. They show up and show out. It's always a really hot crowd uh, over overseas. I know my experience with NXT when getting to do a lot of international travel was my favorite memories I had in the company as we we got to travel around in the bus and go on these things. And and I don't know if it's like this on the on the, on the main roster of Raw and SmackDown, but at NXT, we generally did get chances to do a little sightseeing and explore the countries and the cities that we were in. And and wow, just to be able to have cultural experiences, to be able to talk to the fans who, as you said, not spoiled, have so much enthusiasm, energy and excitement. 
I, it's just such an awesome experience. Yeah, it really is. They're, they're ready. When you get there, they're ready. Um, and and they also, you can kind of just play by the rules. You don't have to do anything crazy. You just give them a good match, uh, give them what they expect, and they love it. And it's, look, the, the first time I've ever was introduced to a overseas thing was, was when we went, we talked about that when I was the real double J. We went to Cape Town, South Africa, and I saw we pulled up to the to the place and I saw a thousand people uh, and 500 of them had Brett the Hitman Hart, those glasses, those sunglasses on. Yep. You know what I mean? That's when he was the champ and he was the dude. And I'd never seen anything that over in my life before. And all of a sudden it was a different level. Like, oh, boy, these are the this is where the big boys play. Um and and now I'm here playing with them. And so that was really cool. But yeah, the 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 fans overseas are always great. Over in Europe in the UK, how was the food treating you? It's a change of pace. And and I know that for us at NXT, everyone was always looking forward to the banafi pie <laughs> at catering. Was there anything you remember of a food item coming from those international? I mean, it's all, always the banafi, and I and I don't even know what it is, but it's almost like a banana pudding or something with a caramel or yep, yep. I, I don't really even know but that's the kind of the consistency it is so good um but yeah look i actually when you're on a tour like that and and you're hitting several towns and you're driving and a lot of the times they have catering for you and so they try to do like an international setup you know um but i even love the you know overseas you get breakfast and baked beans and scrambled eggs and blood sausage and all, all these things that are weird for for an american to go over there and eat but i love it and uh, billy and i just talked about it this week like uh we're going over there soon just to do a a, a signing and we can't wait for the breakfast with the baked beans and scrambled eggs i have consumed my my large share of baked <laughs> beans and i absolutely enjoy them but every time i'm there putting them on my plate i'm just like this is just weird and not what we do in the States. I know, but I love it. And as you said, the others, I don't do You know what else they got great is, uh, man, their fish and chips. And you get those peas mashed up. I think, I don't know what they call them, but that's, uh, some of their, some of their, st- you can't find a good steak over there, but you can, their, their cuisine is, I love it. Uh, anyway. Quick old school performance center fun fact back in this time period. I think it was early 2013 when she first got there. Becky Lynch used to make banoffee pies and bring them in for oh, some. It was wow. pretty awesome. Yeah. You know what thing about Becky is uh, a few people called me when I got fired. She was the first one. And that, that shocked me. I mean, it really did. It, it caught me because I didn't know. She proceeded to tell me how she felt about working with me and working on SmackDown with me and all that stuff. And I had no idea she felt that strongly. But she, man, it, it really touched my heart because she's a good kid, man. And I, she was always my fave uh, when I started writing SmackDown. I thought we got to get her in the mix. You know what I mean? And, and man, uh, and yeah, she, she was, she was the man. She reached out to me when she found out we were doing this podcast and was so psyched about it. Like, <laughs> yeah, she's awesome. a good, she's a good nut. So, all right, I've taken us on a tangent. Yeah, yeah, yeah we've gotten off course. I'm going to bring it back to the tour. Six matches of the New Age Outlaws and Sheamus versus The Shield. Four matches of the New Age Outlaws and Randy Orton versus The Shield. You talked about six mans. I mean, we're talking some top 
tier talent in these matches. Yeah, it was. Uh, and look, they were great matches. I got a story for each of them. Uh, so so Seamus, the first night, uh, like I said, not only was I the producer of the show, but I was also working in in the, in the six man. And so the first night, Seamus said, let me start. I said, OK, cool. So you, you start Seamus and me and Billy sit on the apron. So he started and he probably worked for eight minutes <laughs> with us just standing on the apron and he just beat the crap out of everybody. And then they tagged me in and it did a little, you know, duck, jab, 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 wiggle, wiggle, knee, one, two, not today. Uh, for those of you who haven't worked with me, that's the wiggle, wiggle, knee. I cover you one, two, you kick out. I pick you up. I go to shoot you towards your partner. You reverse it. Ref goes to Billy, you kick me in the back, bing, bang, boom. We're in the heat. So, so some sort of formula. <laughs> oh, I know. And when you when if you could hear people putting it together, especially these kids nowadays, I listen and I just go, holy crap, I don't even know what words you're what language you're speaking now. Um, but yeah, so the show, the, the Seamus works forever. We finally get in there and we do our thing and 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 the match is fine. It's OK. But but you can feel if if you if you take the time and, and feel the energy in the in the venue, he was in there way too long. And and he was also getting the hot tag where he'd come in and kind of beat everybody up again. You know what I mean? So the next night I said, Seamus, please don't get in until the hot tag. I said, because you're hot over here. And when I give you that hot tag, people are going to people are going to blow the roof off the joint. And he's like, no way. I got to get in before that. I can't just sit there. And I said, dude, you made us sit there last night for eight minutes where I was literally yelling to Seth Rollins like, hey, I'm going to go get a chicken sandwich. This place has a great sauce. Uh, but anyway. He, he said he wouldn't do it. He, he didn't want to do it. I got a white guy. I said, Seamus, do you trust me? And he said, well, yeah, I trust you. And I said, try it this way tonight. And if I'm wrong, we will go the next night right back to your way. Well, it was, you know, I, I knew I knew I was right to begin with, but it's let Billy get in there. Bing, bang, boom. Tag me. We do a little double something. Here we go to my jabs. We shut me down. No, we're in the heat. And here in a minute, I'm going to tag Seamus and he's going to blow the roof off the joint. You know what I mean? And it was just the right formula. And if you if you're honest with yourself and look to and don't think you're just right all the time, like, oh, maybe we could tweak this a little bit um, and, and make it better. And so I, by the third by the third match with Seamus, we had it down pat where it was hot. Uh, and those kids, man, the, the shield, they were so much fun to work with. It was, it was a night off literally talking about knowing you're right. Is that coming from your, your years of experience or is that being able to read the crowd in the moment? Well, I think it's just years of experience, but it's also like, uh, it makes perfect sense. Like we're the novelty guys. Seamus was like a top guy then, you know what I mean? And he, and he, we're overseas in his neck of the woods. And, and I don't know if we're exactly where he was from, but it's, it's overseas. And so they love him. And so hold him, hold that horse in the barn until that hot tag. And then it's time to run. You know, there's no reason to hurry in a wrestling match ever, except for during the comeback or when that hot tag starts and then you better get on your horse because it's time to run and uh and so to keep him over there on the edge to give him our little nostalgia act a little bit of heat because like i said earlier they don't really care about me they just want to hear me say oh you didn't know do a little bit of heat we tag uh 
we tagged Seamus. And I think we knocked Billy off the apron first so it wouldn't feel weird that I tagged Seamus instead of my partner. So I don't generally quote the Observer too much, but I'm curious on this one from the April 29th, 2013 Observer. SmackDown opened in Glasgow. Main event saw Sheamus and Billy Gunn and Road Dog beat the Shield via DQ. Really telling not only that the Outlaws, who weren't even main eventers very often in their primes, can a dozen years after come back and headline now. The finish saw a DQ when they triple teamed Sheamus. They were about to give Sheamus the triple team powerbomb when the Outlaws jumped into the ring with chairs. Gunn gave Rollins a famouser, Sheamus gave him a brogue kick, and the shield left. Are you surprised you're in the main event, or, you, or, or do you take what Meltzer is saying uh, as an insult to the crew at the time. No, I think, look, I think it was more to his take has, has been, and I don't know if, if me and him ever had a run in or if what, what, but his take has always seemed to be negative towards us a little bit. And, and look, maybe it is because we were old guys coming back and working with new guys and, and beating them and stuff. And maybe he's not, he's not happy about that. And, and that's okay. I, you know, opinions, uh, they're like a-holes. Everybody's got them and they all stink. Uh, but, but he, he just, every thing you read out of the observer just seems to have a negative slant. And so it seems like it's somebody in there don't like me and Billy, or they don't like the fact that we're on their stealing spotlight where a younger guy should. And, and that's a valid, that's a valid point. You know what I mean? If that's your point. Uh, but yeah, it just feels like they're always burying us. Um, Cause we were main eventers. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, uh, it was kind of dumbfounded me when I read that in the notes that he said like they were weren't even main eventers back then. Like, okay, okay, Uncle Dave. Continuing the tour, Newcastle, Birmingham, and Sheffield are the same matches. In Birmingham, it's noted, you took the heat and hot tag Sheamus. You talked about that before he was hit for a chair for the DQ. Yep. But Billy never tagged in in that match. Do you know why? I, I, I read that in the notes, too, and I don't remember that, to be quite honest with you. But it seems like if we, especially if we didn't, uh, you know, sometimes you get there at that spot in the show and they go, hey, we don't need a whole lot of time. Just get out there and do it. And so maybe maybe we just said or or maybe he was injured like that. That tour was rough on us. Um we called it the Tordal tour because we could we could get shots of Tordal because it's not a like a. A drug, you know what I mean? It's like a, a yeah. strong ibuprofen or something. And Is so it, it was me, me and Billy and Big Show and Dustin Rhodes and everybody in line to get a Tordal shot before we went out there. In Sheffield, it's noted that you had a sore throat, but you got through the whole shtick while Gunn worked most of the match before the same DQ finish. Was there any sort of bug rolling around or is this just the rough traveling and exhaustion and all of that kind of taking its toll on everyone? Yeah, I think it's just taking its toll. We were probably deep in the thing and you and deep in the tour. And, you know, you drive, you drive to a hotel, you get in that hotel and uh, and sometimes the hotels over there ain't great and they're different and you got to figure out how to turn the lights on and how to flush the toilet and how to plug my phone in and you know what I mean so so little sleep a lot of stress uh and having to wrestle too you know what I mean so it's physically and mentally taking a toll on us uh, I used to travel with this 70 pound pelican case of my camera equipment and in the UK uh hotels they'd be very nary, narrow <laughs> hallways and I'd have to lug this clunky large 70 pound 
box of a bag or whatever you want to call it through these halls and try to maneuver and then the small elevators and as you said remembering to put a key in the light switch so the light (laughs) those elevators are so small um we're basically just having a referendum on uh, overseas and it kind of works because i'm going soon uh like i said billy and i are going over there i'm excited you talk about working with the shield and how easy it was. Tell me about working with Seth Rollins, John Moxley, and Roman Reigns. Yeah, well, look, it was it's it's no secret. Roman was special. Uh, his work was even special. His work was different. His work always looked great and was always smooth as silk, and and his timing was good. And uh, and and the heat spot to cut me off every week was a was a spear, or every night was a spear. He would hit me with the spear. Um, but yeah, so Seth was the great technical worker. Ambrose was the crazy guy that you never knew which hand he was going to punch you with or where what feet he's going to kick you with because he's so unorthodox. Uh, but Roman worked with a smooth, suave swagger um, with a smooth, suave wagger, a smooth, suave swagger that you knew that he was going to be something special. You know what I mean? It was he just worked. Look, you. There ain't a Samoan that can't get in the ring and have a great match. And that's just all there is to it. But I said this the other day online, like the the bloodline of the Inouye family um, is the greatest wrestling family in the history of wrestling. Like there's no there's no even close second. You know what I mean? Because think about how many champions uh, in their family. And so it just hit me the other day. I was like, wow, what a what a legacy. Do you think we're going to see a Shield reunion in WWE sometime in the, I'll call it near future? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think you could. Look, I, everybody's saying like, oh, now now everybody's saying people are going to jump from AEW back to WWE or whatever. And so I, that's good. Great. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I would love to see and tell me at a mania if you did the Shield reunion and they, you know, you tell a story and you get three heels that are, you know, in their, in their prime too, and hot. And, uh, you have that match, that shield reunion, and they put those fists in, man, that's, that's money. They come down through the crowd. It's crazy. Yeah. All right. You guys open Cardiff in Wales. So the shield and Fandango could helicopter to London for raw. How hectic is a situation like that where you got to get some talent in, out, and they got somewhere to be? And now we're talking helicopters. That sounds like something uh, what I would call an extraordinary <laughs> situation and not something that usually takes place. Yeah, yeah, that that very seldom happened. Now, we did have a couple of times that have used, you know, flown helicopter people in. Uh, but that was great for me because we got to go on first and then I could just sit around and watch the rest of the matches uh, and not have to worry about, you know, get, getting on there. And so, so interesting thing about the tours, you mentioned earlier, Ryan, about the buses and everything. So at this point, um, me and Randy Orton, me and Billy and Randy Orton are kind of button heads a little bit. And it's just because Randy's the man and he's been the man for a while. And Randy is the last one on the bus and Ray, Randy's Randy. You know what I mean? And and so I was young in sobriety and I was 
older in my wrestling. And I thought like, why are we waiting on him? If me and Billy are here, he should be. So that's my ego and my pride talking. Um, and he has the same thing. So he's an alpha with, with ego and pride too. And so we butted heads a little bit on that tour, but it was after that tour that me and him kind of saw each other and said, Hey, are we good, man? And it was, but, uh, but in, it didn't help that we worked with some matches in him and, and it, kind of perpetuated it even in the matches in the execution of the matches or so I thought and looking back it was me being egotistical and and thinking he should bow down you know what I mean because oh we're the old timers you gotta you gotta bend a little bit and he was saying like no you bend and I get it you know what I mean again we talked when we got back and it was like we're good dude and now Randy and I have actually a great relationship um where we stay in touch. You know what I mean? It's uh, my dad and his dad, a lot of history together too. So I got, I got a lot in common with Randy. Um, and it just took a minute to get past our egos to, to realize that, you know, you were in France in the main event teaming with Randy instead of Seamus. You guys did the same DQ chair shot finish. Uh, how easy is that to just kind of run the same style of match, but replace another competitor into that role, in, into the different role. And we can roll the footage while we're running. Yep. Yeah, this is, uh, it's not great footage, but it, but it is footage of the finish. They, ooh, ah, they're going to do it. It actually I, uh, crisp and clear right when you come in the ring with that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, with that chair. Um, so, so, Look, this is what you get the DQ because they weren't huge top guys yet, but they were on their well on their way. And uh, and this was just you leave them happy. You get the DQ so you don't just beat them, but then you leave the people happy and you Randy hits them with an RKO. And uh, but but so it's your question about the the uh, match and the execution, slipping different guys in there. It, it was great because we just kept the same. Uh, once Sheamus didn't have to get in there first anymore, we just kept that same thing where Randy stayed on the apron until the hot tag, too. So the difference was Randy at the, you know, you see Randy today on TV and, and Randy is on fire, bro. He is on fire. And I love watching him wrestle here. I feel like he was not motivated and he was moving slow. And so we just came from hot tagging Seamus, which is like opening the, the barn door and letting the bull come into the kitchen. Um, and then to tagging Randy, where he comes in and kind of smoothly does his stuff. You know what I mean? And so I, I would have like if like the Randy right now that I'm seeing on TV, if he would have done that stuff, right. the roof would have blown. Look, the roof still blew off the place. He was Randy friggin Orton and he hit an RKO at the end of the night, you know, I mean, on Seth Rollins. So the roof still blew off the place and he's still awesome. But like I just it was very different to go from Seamus. <laughs> to Randy, who is literally uh, no need to ask. He's a smooth operator. He's yeah. so good, man. So good. You move on to Italy and working in Bologna and Trieste before moving on to Germany in front of 10,000 fans. It's baloney, you moron. How hot was business in Europe at the time, man? We talk about the energy of the fan base. How good is business? Yeah, business was good. Uh, business was I mean, looking. Business is always good over there. It really is. Like it's, it's. Uh, they're they're not they're not spoiled. They they want to see it and they come out and they and they pop for it. And so I don't know, man. It's they're just always a really good crowd uh, internationally. And so. 
let's business go to was, business yeah. was booming. Yeah, let's go to a clip from Germany and Mannheim where you're back with Seamus in this one. And once again, the crowds are just super hot throughout. I mean, European crowd, UK crowd, all of those shows. I remember watching, I think it was Jason Jordan and Chad Gable, American Alpha versus Blake and Murphy for the NXT Tag Team Championships. And I think the crowd chanted for 14 straight (laughs) minutes before they ever locked up. I mean... The endurance of the crowd. <laughs> yeah, and, if nothing else, the, the stamina. And then the creativity of the chance. I mean, you get hot crowds in America and you get awesome pops and energy and, and they're cheering and yelling and screaming. But in Europe and in the UK, we're talking songs and melodies <laughs> and, and just Yeah, lullabies and all kind of stuff. Yeah, they are they are very creative and they will go. Um and look, that's truth be told, there's nothing better than like a uh, a good raw over there when the crowd really gets riled up um, because then you kind of find out, okay, who are they emotionally invested in? Who do they want to yell at and, and anger or who do they want to support? And, and man, they don't mind doing it. And so, yeah, it's always fun. It's always a real uh, energy. Uh, that's, you know what I mean? It's, you can feel that energy out there. You finish the tour in Cologne, Germany with the same match Seamus against with Seamus against the shield. And then it's the end of the run. Did you it's know Cologne moron? Man, I'm wrong, and I'm gonna. Did you know that that was gonna be it for the European tour? That was gonna be it. Well, where are we at in your mindset at this point? So yeah, I was uh, I was getting shots in my knees. It was like friggin' North Dallas forty in the training room, uh, minus the cocaine on this run. But uh, but look, I, I was I was feeling it. For dang sure, mm-hmm. physically in my body, but mentally too. Um, so I, I kind of was like, "Okay, are we good now? Can we?" <laughs> um, but we'll see, we'll see what what uh, the future holds as we continue. Absolutely. And as we wrap up the European tour, let's take one more quick break. And when we come back, we'll finish up the comeback, and we'll get to some of the fan questions from all of you guys. Who's going to take care of your family if something happens to you? What would they do without your income? If you don't have a plan, you need to go to goliathlife.com. Get a quick quote for more than 20 carriers. You don't even have to leave the house. If you need a medical exam, they'll send somebody to your house or office. You're in total control. You pick the rates, you pick the payments, you pick the terms. You're in total control, but it gives you and your family peace of mind. What if something happens to your income? Hurry to goliathlife.com. Dog, we are back. And I'm just thinking with the tour and wrestling and your existing job, you're working double duty. And as you talked, even triple duty involved in creative, just how stressful is all of it? It's hard enough to just go be a worker and plan your matches. It's hard enough to just be a producer and and take care of your responsibilities. When you have all of these things, how do you juggle it and make sure that they're all getting the attention that they need? Well, 
that's the that was the deal. You're all you know, and look, even if you just have one job to do, you're always searching for balance, right? Of how do I balance my work life and my social life, or how do I? You're always searching for balance, so it's not something that you're going to attain and be perfect at it. But, but I, I as for as long as I could, I kept up the facade that everything was going all right. My body was killing me. I was stressed out. I was having to bring extra bags on the road because I was wrestling now. And so, uh, I don't know if this was the point or not where I said it, but I went to Hunter and said, Hey man, I, I can't do this anymore. You know what I mean? Like I want to go back to the job that you hired me for this time. Um, Billy wasn't real happy about that, but he understood. Um, I think he wanted to keep going as you can see from now, right now he's still doing it. Um, but, but like I, I couldn't do it anymore. And I was really starting to like, uh, writing with the shows and coming up with creative and you know what I mean? Coming up with cool spots and matches, cool finishes and entrances and all just kind of being creative. I wasn't being able to singularly focus on that. And so I really wanted to put my friggin' gear back up and get back to my job, you know? So as you talk about that and knowing the conversations you had previously with Hunter about that, the point of this comeback was to set up a future championship run was there doubts that your body was going to hold up and, and you knew that you've moved on to something that's more fulfilling for you at this point in your life? Yeah, but it was, it was, uh, and look, I'm, I'm a little bit, to be quite honest, confused about whether we went on to hold the titles after that. It was a little bit after it was 2000. Okay. Okay. So, so yeah, so, so that's when he, you know, we had, we had done this little bit and that's when he said, uh, well, look, but let's, Let's do it a little more and let's put the titles on you and let's let the Usos take them off of you to that'll be the final thing. And so so we agreed to, to do it a little while longer and we'll get into that, I'm sure, at some point. What was your fondest memory of this run? So look, to be quite honest, probably that tour. Like I, it was a, it was really cool. Look, it's awesome to go over there, even as a producer and go on a tour and you, uh, uh, I mean, there's a lot more responsibility when you're a producer, you can't just party and, (laughs) and, and, uh, end up wherever you end up. Um, but, but it's really cool to be, to, to do that and be with the boys and kind of, um, it was a balancing act for sure to kind of, dress in the locker room, but not fraternize with the boys. And, and you got to not fraternize, but put a match together with two guys and start three guys. And so, so it was, you know, like I said, it was definitely a balancing act. Um, and it was like, Hey, I probably need to sit, sit down for a minute. You know, those WWE logos carry so much weight overseas and they attract so much, to, so much attention. And then the fact that look, you're, you're six foot four, like you attract all that attention on your own. I, I just remember we did a tryout in Cologne, Germany, and in one of the main like city, uh, city squares in front of the big cathedral, we had 40 tryout competitors doing calisthenics <laughs> and runs just through the city. And we were just creating this spectacle. And yeah. it's what WWE really does. I've seen that. footage of that. Those guys running through the city. And uh, yeah, I've seen it's footage of that. And yelling and it's echoing through the cavernous styles of these. It, it, well, I mean, look, it's a, it's a global entertainment conglomerate. There's nothing... There's no, there's no two ways about it. It's a huge, huge, uh, you know, entertainment company and it's global. It is global. 
So a harder question right here. Least fond memory of the tour. Something that you wish you could, of the run, excuse me. Something that you could put behind, that you wish you could put behind you a little bit. Maybe it didn't go exactly as you wanted it to go. Uh, you know what? It, it it did. It went how it was supposed to go. And so that's whether, you know, I don't want to hold regrets and I don't want to have any mm-hmm. like uh, resentments or anything. Like I, I the one thing. I don't like that Randy and I were, had a little bit of a dust up, right. um, even though we, you know, because I know that was my ego. That was me thinking I was more than I am and and uh, and me trying to uh, bend him to my will almost. You know what I mean? And and not not physically, not in a way like that. But it was it it was me trying to bow up on him and him doing the same to me and us going, hey, what's going what's going to happen here? <laughs> you know, and so it was I regret that that happened. But that's just me growing and learning, you know. As we push through this run, let's move towards these fan questions. And I've got one from adfreeshows.com member Slapnut Devin Dowling. <laughs> and he asks you, is there any moment where Vince McMahon had to say to you, hey, remember, this is PG? And uh, I covered that earlier. I knew, uh, and look, sobriety helps you remember that. And also job security will help you remember that. So I look, my, my thing didn't even say your ass better call somebody. Uh, it just said, you better call somebody. So I knew, I knew what side of the biscuit was buttered, you know what I mean? And who was doing the buttering. Uh, so no, he never had to tell me, uh, Hey, remember this is PG. I, I kept it PG because I wanted to keep my job. Slapnut two count <laughs> underscore Kyle asks, you've come up against some monsters in your career. Where would Brock Lesnar rate among the scariest? Also, I enjoyed the first show and I'm really excited to see where it goes. Oh, he's probably just going to go next next week. It's going to air again. Slapnut. Uh, Slapnut. That's a great word. Um so Brock was Brock is the beast incarnate. Brock is the one I really Kurt Angle is a machine, but he's a machine on a different level. He's like wrestling the friggin' Terminator. Um, but but Brock was a beast. And Brock, when you're in his grasp, you know that there's nothing you can do about it. Uh and so there was a real uh fear. For me, and look, if you call me a sissy or whatever, whatever, whatever you want to call me, that's fine, uh, because that's where I draw the line is is fighting that guy. Yeah, I don't think anyone's calling you a sissy in regard. <laughs> I think we're all feeling the same sort of thing. The yeah. why not only a WWE champion, a UFC champion, <laughs> and and an all around guy who could probably tear me limb from limb yes. and then he'd cook it up and make it <laughs> like, on one of his like eight green eggs he has around his farmland he'd smoke my meat <laughs> wait is this a blue chew commercial <laughs> all right another question from the fans at freeshows.com top guy middle kingdom wrestling asks for one final run is the new age outlaws which three current tag teams would you choose to work with? Here's a good one. Let's get into some teams right here, dog. Yeah, well, look, I'd love to work with uh, 
the uh, Street Profits. Awesome. I'd love to work with RK Bro. <laughs> um, I couldn't keep up with Riddle, but Randy, I would love to just feel this sounds weird, or maybe it's exactly how I want it to sound. None of your business. Uh, he feel. I just want to feel what he feels like in the ring. You know what I mean? Is he? Is he? And because I tagged with him, I never worked against him, so I don't know. Is he tense? Is he smooth? Is he? You know what I mean? I just love to because look, I'm a huge fan of Randy, and I have been since Randy was young because Randy. Randy got, and I say this all the time, and it's hard to decipher, but he's a television. Look, he's a great wrestler, period. He knows what to do and when to do it. He knows exactly how hard to go and how hard he needs to go and when he needs to go that hard. Um, he is he is, he is is the perfect wrestler, in my opinion, especially on television. He's been that way for 10 years, 15 years now. You know what I mean? So it's, it's incredible the run he's had and the run he's on right now. So Street Profits. RK bro. Um, totally want to work with, uh, Jad Gable and, uh, Pluto. What's his name? Otis, 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 totally want to work with them, uh, because I think they'd be great too, but you know, who else is, uh, I would love to work with the, uh, grizzled young veterans. Like those guys. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to work with, uh, um, Imperium because they're just too stiff and they just beat beat you up. Like I don't want to work with you. I want to work with you when I was twenty five. When I was <laughs> when I was brand new in the business and still didn't know anybody. That's when I want to work with Imperium. So talking about guys working stiff and, and and working a little harder. Randy Orton in a recent interview made a comment that the kids from NXT don't know how to work. And when they come up to raw or SmackDown, they're not in the ring protecting their opponent and, 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 and that they have different priorities. Uh, what, what, do you, what would you say to something like that? I don't disagree with him at all. I mean, I look for, for him to say they don't know what they're doing. Like, okay. I mean, I, I, I guess you can say that and he's right to an extent, um, but they, they know what they're doing. They just don't, do it perfectly yet. You know what I mean? They don't do it as well as you do, Randy. And, and, and I don't expect them to, but protecting your opponent, um, Look, these young guys get in there and hit each other hard and do stuff because it's not just stiff working. Now it's huge stunts and flips and to the floor. And uh, you know what I mean? And it's like, holy mackerel. Uh, and so you do have to you have to protect yourself and you have to protect your opponent, because at the end of the day, it is a work and it is a job. And I have to go home to my wife and children and, and be able to walk and pick up my grandchildren when I'm, uh, you know, at my age. So so I totally understand where Randy's coming from. I, I think Randy is correct. But what where else? You know what? Sometimes guys go up there really early and they've never worked anywhere before. Some guys started during the pandemic and never worked in front of a live crowd and their character kind of took on. So they're up there now. You know what I mean? It's and look, I saw Randy literally um, on the show talking to those street prophets as the match was going on and he was in the ring with them. And I just thought, man, that's so awesome. Randy's teaching these kids as he's, you know, as he's having a match with them, it's on the job training. That's how you have to do it because they look, it was a different animal down there. It was, a, it was more of a wrestling show. And so the tempo was faster. The speed was faster and, and the wrestling was more important on the main roster though. It's about, uh, you know, flamboyance and entertainment. And because it's, it's not all 
uh, 25-year-old dudes in black T-shirts that watch Raw. Families watch Raw. And so you got to give them these entertainment segments, like the wedding segment that happened the other week. And, uh, you know, uh, just you got you to gotta hit them with this more colorful entertainment because that's what plays to the to the bigger audience. You know what I mean? I, I know people will disagree with that, but that's that's how I see it. You know what I mean? Show and having a little bit of something for everyone. Going yeah. back to this hard hitting style, though, I received a text a couple of weeks ago or a few weeks ago from a buddy of mine who I'll call a casual fan. And he was watching back WrestleMania late. And he was just telling me, he's just like, I'm watching slow motion replays where feet are hitting faces and moving body parts. He's like, how do they do it, Smiles? How do they do it? Yeah. It's like, they're getting there you just grit your teeth and get kicked in the face and that's you know look that's that's the name of the game and it's it's a it's a nature of the beast it ain't ballet uh but it don't have to be real either you know uh there's got to be a happy medium and that was always my but look my mantra was always the faker the better so the ain't ballet statement have you ever seen the feet and the toes of the ballet dancers <laughs> who have to balance on these things and like break their bones and manipulate their joints so they can I don't know if, I don't know if it's the right phrase we need to yeah, use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it needs maybe it's not botany. <laughs> botany. It ain't yeah. fly fishing. <laughs> All right. Another question from the fans. Top guy Brad Stanton asks, did you think the shield could be a more popular stable than DX? Um, you know, we always compare everything and I hate it when we compare because it's somebody loses and there's and there's no loser in this. The shield was a hugely successful uh, faction. And, and like we spoke about earlier, could be again and even more successful this time as far as uh, personal you know, finances go uh, for those guys and business for the company. So I think they're a huge success. But I. I think the DX was a different time and a different uh, energy and a di- you know what I mean? It was just, it's apples and oranges. And so I, I always, we always go like, oh, who would you like to work with today? Well, I'm friggin' 52 years old and fat. I don't want to work with anybody today. <laughs> and it, oh, well, are they as good as you? Well, I don't know. They were all better wrestlers than I was personally. Um, but I don't know. Like I worked with them on a pay-per-view in an uh, on our WrestleMania. I talked about Dusty Rhodes saying the difference between good and great is time. And I think if we compare the two factions at this point, DX just has longevity. They, they, they've been a part of multiple eras and they keep coming back and the nostalgia is there. Whereas if the shield has that huge reunion and then it sets the, you know, the pace for the future to have different comebacks, reunions, et cetera, then maybe in the future. But at this yeah. point, as successful as both were, I think DX just had a, a, a global impact into pop culture that may not be represented at this phase of what The Shield has done. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I agree with that. But look, the, let's talk about those three individuals for a moment. Like okay. D- John Moxley has has found himself, you know what I mean? And, and, and all the buzz that he gets around the wrestling world, he deserves. Uh, Seth Rollins, I think is doing his best work ever. I literally love this character. He's doing, he, 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 he can, 
he can work so great. Like everybody knows he's the, the, the you know, the uh, architect or whatever. And but he's the technician, so he can work great. And he, and he has great ideas and he's timing and his ring presence and all his that. It's perfect. Yeah. Prince now. The yeah. Yes. The he is, he is, I, look, I, I'd throw Becky in there, too. I think she's hit her stride, too. Uh, but 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 we're not talking about the women. We're talking about the shield. Go back to Roman Reigns. If you don't think Roman Reigns has hit his stride right now, then okay. I, then you're just a hater. You know what I mean? And that's cool. If you don't like WWE, if you don't like Roman Reigns, OK, cool. Don't like him. But don't say he sucks because that's a lie. You know what I mean? The dude's selling merch and main event and manias and he's doing it all. He's on top of the world and he's and he's not getting DUIs. He's not uh, you know what I mean? He's not. He's a good dude that has his head on his shoulders and he's and he's the man. And so I'd say those three are doing pretty damn good right now, to be quite honest with you. Dog Dayton J at Thanks, Dayton wants to know when you guys returned, did you think about moving in different directions as the previous or was it a case of why change a good thing? Yeah, it was definitely if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And that's a buddy of mine uh, from the UK, as a matter of fact, this uh, Danks. Uh, so what's up, Day? Uh Thanks for the question. Yeah, we no, we were we knew if we were going to get back together, we were going to we were going to do it and we were going to, you know, the outlaws are going to ride again. And uh, again, we didn't we just didn't knew it wasn't the same. You can't you can't bottle lightning. You know what I mean? You can't lightning don't strike twice. And so we knew it wasn't going to be the same, but it was a good opportunity to do, do a little something and and uh, stroke my ego a little bit and fat my wallet a little bit. Instagram, a wrestling historian at Let's Go Back to WCW wants to know how difficult was it for you and Billy Gunn to mend fences with Triple H following that time period of animosity? So, we, we, yeah, it didn't take long. I mean, it just took us kind of look, we, we we've been friends for a long time. And so I mentioned this before, brothers fight, friends argue. Um, it was one of those things where we both came back sober. Uh, we both came back clear minded and, and we were both able to have grown up conversations with the men that we were uh, hurling insults at. You know what I mean? So it wasn't it wasn't hard. It wasn't uh, difficult. It was uncomfortable until we had that conversation because I just didn't know how much and and uh, how into it they, they had gotten and, and if they held a grudge, you know what I mean? And so we talked about it and all's fair in love and war and uh, everything was fine. Cardinals 5-3, Bulls playoffs versus MIL at Michael Berry Sr. wants to know, who was your favorite team to face during the 2013 return, and why was it the Usos? what I did there? Hashtag ask Road Dog. Hashtag oh, you didn't know. Hashtag love you, Brian. Yes, yes. I think his name is Michael Berry. Um, is that who it was? It is, yes. Yeah, yeah, I know him. Um, but great question. Um, yeah, it was the Usos. I mean, uh, you, you you answered it correctly. And it was all for the same reason. Like, these are young kids that I can help. And that's totally the way I looked at it is like, how can I? Uh, sure, I'll take the money and sure, I'll take the television time and all that. But how can I help them with with what the, the opportunity I've been given? And I'll never forget, we were in the middle of a match. It might have been the one in Chicago where we dropped the titles to them. And uh, one of the Usos had me in a rear chin lock. 
or no, excuse me, I had him in a rear chin lock and I said, lay all the way down. And so he laid all the way down. I laid all the way down on top of him. And then I said, just breathe. And so we started just breathing. And he said, dog, I feel like we should be doing something. I said, we are doing something. I'm catching my breath and I'm letting everybody in here go, have nowhere to go but up. You know what I mean? So we laid there long enough and here in a minute. Somebody started clapping. I said, start moving. And so he started moving and somebody else started clapping. You know what I mean? And so it was, it was, even if I'm just teaching you to slow down for a second and listen and let the people catch up and let them react and listen to their reaction. And how is, how should I, how should we get out of this? Should we just do what we have planned or just something, you know, we need to call an audible here. And so he, they started clapping here. He started coming. I said, start doing the worm or, you know, the wave. So he started doing the, you know, break dance with his arms and stuff. And I said, okay, give me a couple elbows in the, you know, and so it, it was just an opportunity for me to slow them down and go, even when we go down and stop, we're still doing something uh, because when the crowd stops doing anything in a minute, they'll start. You know what I mean? And so, OK, well, we're, we're going to lay here when that one guy starts clapping. You go, OK, start moving. And so you start fighting a little bit like, oh, I got to get up. I got to get up. Um, so that was a little a little lesson I taught them that day. It was even if it was just slow down and catch your breath, you know what I mean? But it was just an honor to get to work with them and and uh, kind of pass that baton a little bit to them. At what point in your career as a performer does that really click in the slowing down? As as a young wrestler, obviously you're you're generally trying to get your shit in. You're trying yeah. to, to 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 do as much as you can, pop the crowd, get those moments. But one of the things that I love most was getting to listen to the producers on the headset and a guy like Terry Taylor when calling a match in the back on the headset, just telling the two people in the ring take it easy and chill and wait. And then they're hurrying. Like you got that rear, rear, rear <laughs> chin and, and everyone in the crowd wants to start the clap and, and, yeah. and, and you'd have Terry on the headset and be like, not yet, not yet. Yeah. yeah and sometimes you have to let the clap die and start over. You know what I mean? Because it's not, Heck, you just look, look, the crowd's impatient, too. So you get hip tossed and you're an arm drag or arm bar on the on the mat and the people start clapping and you go, crap, we're not even in the heat or anything yet. Like, you know, we haven't really even done anything or established any any dominance one way or the other. So calm down, people. But, yes, yeah, sometimes you have to go. That's, look, you just hit them with that big move. It ain't time to get up and start running yet. Calm down, settle down, breathe see what happens and we'll go from there. You know what I mean? There's no hurry. Um, but yeah, they're young people and they got, they want to get their stuff in and they got this long to do it in and by God, they're going to get it in. Um, but it's, it's fun. All right. I got one more question from you from Ben Hawk Weston, a, uh, at Ben underscore Weston road dog. You're still one of my all time favorites and always will be. My question is when a tag team is formed, who has more input into forming it? The wrestlers or the company? Well, look, the company is the short answer. The company always is going to make the final call. Uh, usually they come up with, with, uh, with the ideas about, hey, we're going to put you two together. But but the wrestlers matter, too. Their in, input matters. And so if if you got two guys, look, it was the, the way it was with me and Billy. We kind of said, look, we want to start doing this. We want to be a team, you know. And then they did that for us and started booking us that way. But I look, I think when you see people and you go, oh, man, those people should just be a team. He should be with him or she should be with her. And it just makes sense to you. So it's 
So for the most part, it's the company. Uh, but but look, it's not as it's not as cut and dry as you think. Like you you can tell a talent an idea and they'll say, I don't feel comfortable doing that. I don't like that. I don't think that's good. OK, well, let's sit down and have a conversation then. And you tell me Here, here's where we're trying to get. Maybe we can meet in the middle. It's not like you do this because I said so. You know what I mean? It's never that way. The wrestler always has input uh, and uh but sometimes it's you get talked in a circle and you go, here's my input. And they go, yeah, but that's we want to do it because of this. And you go like, oh, OK, I didn't think of that, you know, and so you end up doing it for them. But but yeah, look, there's there's. Creative uh, juices, and, it, and they're not just from the company, the, the talent and the company has conversations all the time. Um, so, yes, it's but the company makes the final decision. The booker, the not we don't have bookers anymore, but the the writing team and Vince. We got you know. a booker. <laughs> we got five, five, five times. Yeah, man. Well, we did it again, man. Another week, another episode, another moment in time of your life that we got to take a trip down memory lane. Yes, we did, and I appreciate you guys coming, walk, taking that walk with us. Um, if you're not down, I, I don't know. I don't want to say suck it yet, but I just did. So whatever. Um, what's next for us, Ryan? What's next week? Next week, we're going to have our first guest in the doghouse. And it's going to be your brother, Scott Armstrong. My bro, my big bro. Scott. I hope he doesn't try to tell me what to do. He always tries to because he's my oldest brother. So he kind of raised me. He bought me my first car. True wow. story. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So so uh, and we've worked together the last 10 years, so it's been, it'll be great, great having him in here. Um, he's kind of learning about the uh, wrestle cons and the, you know, and, and getting uh, doing the podcast thing. And so now that now that we're unemployed, we're trying new ventures. And what the hell? Maybe we'll even share a blue chew. Ah, he's done it all. He's dealt with you as a brother, as a wrestler, worked in Smoky Mountain Wrestling, WCW, transitioning into a referee, TNA, WWE as a referee, and even as a heel referee, too. His release, his return, his work as a producer, his recent end is running WWE. What are you most excited to talk to your brother about? Well, you know, truth be told, I just love to hear his take. Because when we talk, we don't talk about this kind of stuff. You know what I mean? We just talk about grandkids and life and love, whatever. Um, so this will be interesting to hear his take uh, on the look. He's been in the business for forty years. You know what I mean? So, so he he we started out as like a promoter for for my dad, and and he ran the office, and you know what I mean. So he's done everything in this in this industry, and he's done it for a really long time. Uh, also, and a fan of candy and likes to cook, loves candy, and what a cook he is, man! If you follow him on any of his social media accounts, you will know he makes some biscuits, and he uses like Seven Up or Sprite or something in them. Like I don't know, but it's yeah, it's crazy good. Um, he's a great cook. It might be why I'm so fat right now. Man, we thanking everyone for tuning in, watching, subscribing, and sharing these podcast episodes. I'm Ryan Katz, that guy right there. He's the road dog, and this has been... Oh, you didn't... Ooh. <laughs>